Still, I must take complete responsibility for all my actions, both public and private. I did not volunteer information. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Mr. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. But I, I recognize the pain and the suffering that they've gone through because of this. I wouldn't dream of asking Chelsea and Mrs. Clinton to forgive me, but I would ask them to know that I am very sorry for what happened and for what they've been through. Putting up with something you know, stupid, I'm getting myself involved in. Uh, now, the other thing is uh, my wife, Regina, uh, she has been horribly uh, hurt uh, by my behavior. But either you're going to make some progress and get it fixed, or you're going to fall short and perhaps not get it fixed. So all of the uh, the, the heartache and, and the attention and the embarrassment... I have sinned against you, my Lord. Good morning. Many of you have cheered for me. Now, every one of you has good reason to be critical of me. I want to say to each of you, simply and directly, I'm deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. I have let you down. My behavior has been a personal disappointment. I am so sorry. 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 Welcome to week four in the For Better or For Worse series. If you're just joining us here today, we are talking about five commitments that we all need to make, whether single or married, in order to fail-proof our marriages because we decided that we don't want marriages like everybody else, and we don't want to just go the same way as the statistics say that we're supposed to go. So we are going to keep five commitments, and when we're single, even though we're not doing all the stuff, okay, necessarily, we keep in mind that these are the five things that we need to be doing, and we're always aiming in that direction. The first commitment that we talked about in week one is that we will? We will? We will seek God, and if we are married, we will seek the one with our two. And if we are not married, we will seek the one while preparing for God to send us our two. And after we seek God, we will, week two, fight fair. Because like I said, even when countries attack countries, there's rules. So when husband attacks wife, wife attacks husband, there has to be rules of warfare. And we talked about the importance of not fighting for victory, but fighting for resolution. Right? I read a nice quote this past week talking about pride and humility. It says, pride cares about who is right. Humility cares about what is right. All right? And that's how we want to approach fighting in marriage. It's not about I win and you lose. It's about we win or we lose. After we fought fair and we made up and everything is good and there's peace treaties in the house, then we go to week three. And week three, we will have fun. And who had some fun this week? All right, single people should not be clapping. Single people should not be clapping, okay? Because this past week we talked about the importance of having fun in our marriage because the best defense is a good offense. So instead of trying to avoid the fighting, we want to have fun. We want to build our marriage. We agreed there's three kinds of fun. We said face-to-face -face fun. We said shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder fun. And everyone remembers the third kind of fun, which is everyone's favorite, which is belly-to-belly fun, right? And that's the one that I wouldn't speak about, but my wife is the one who talked about that one. I don't know anything about that kind of stuff. This week, we are going to go to our fourth commitment, 
which is that we are going to stay pure. Before I get into today's topic, let's do a little survey here. Raise your hand if you're married. Okay, very good. Okay, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you're not married. All right. Keep them nice and high, nice and high. Single people, look around, scan the room. <laughs> scan the room, very good. All right, very good. Some guys snapping their fingers. Okay. <laughs> hey, just in case any connections happen here, you thank me, okay? You name your kid Anthony for the first kid, all right? Whether you're married or not married, everyone has dreams of what marriage is going to look like. Let's do another survey. Raise your hand if you plan at some point in time, between now and the end of your marriage, to commit adultery. Anybody? Nobody? Nobody? Just a little action on the side. Anyone? Not any part of anyone's five-year plan, 10-year plan? All right, let's leave that one. All right, how about um, become massively addicted to pornography? Anybody? Anybody planning any massive addictions? Anyone? Okay, how about, forget about the, the big stuff. How about just an emotional affair? No, not, not a big deal, not going all the way and having fun like we talked about last week, but just, you know, sharing and becoming emotionally close with someone other than your spouse. Anybody? Part of their plan. Isn't it surprising that something that 0% of us are planning for, statistics say that, more, that roughly three-quarters of us will experience at least one of those in our marriage? Just yesterday, as I was preparing for this talk, I saw news about even someone that y'all may know, apparently it was a big deal, the director of the CIA. Y'all heard this story, right? David, help me out here. That's the guy. I was gonna say Beatrice, but Petraeus, okay? Who apparently was a big shot guy, the director of the CIA, and people like wanted this guy to run for president and all this kind of stuff. He was a big deal. Well, let me tell you what happened to Mr. Petraeus here. So David Petraeus, this is from Reuters, so I'm not making this up, was a star on the battlefield commanding Iraq and Afghanistan wars, but was undone by poor judgment in engaging in an extramarital affair that led to his downfall as CIA director. He resigned, citing reasons of infidelity. He cheated on his wife and he resigned. Goes on and says, the developments likely ended the public career of one of the United States' most highly regarded generals. I know nothing about nothing, but apparently this guy was a big deal and this one mistake that he made, which surely he knew while he was making it and surely he, as the director of the CIA, could speak very, very at length and at detail to his people under him about the importance of not allowing this to happen because this can ruin your career and ruin your marriage and ruin everything for you. Yet he fell into it. How can it be that something that all of us want to avoid, statistics say, that so many of us fall into? Well, if you don't have a plan of prevention, if you're just walking around like this, wishful thinking that it doesn't happen to you, you'll be in trouble. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Great verse talk about the sanctity of marriage. It says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. God cares a lot about adultery. It's a big deal to him. And it needs to become a big deal for us as well. Today I'm going to talk about the different things that ruin the purity in marriage. And I'm not going to talk just about adultery, but we'll start at adultery. Percentage of marriages that have adultery take place in them. Anyone want to guess in this country? I'll give you a conservative 
and a high end. Because the problem is, all the studies will give you different numbers because no one admits to it. So it's hard to really gauge what it is. But conservative estimates say that in this country right now, 45 to 60% of men are engaged in some type of adulterous affair. Women, number goes down 30 to 40%. I'm sorry, not right now, at some point in their marriage, I'm sorry. At some point in their marriage, 45 to 60% of men will engage in some type of adulterous behavior, women 30 to 40%. And couple those statistics with 90% of Americans say that adultery is wrong all the time. Like they ask the question, how many people believe adultery is wrong? 90% that adultery is always, always, always wrong. Yet 45 to 60% of men, 30 to 40% of women. Another statistics, University of California said that between the years of 1998 and 2008, adultery doubled in the United States of America. Double, United States of America. I'll give you one, another statistic that for me just hit the, hit the ball out of the park. They asked about Mr. Bill Clinton and his morality. And 50% of the people surveyed said that Bill Clinton's morals are about the same as the average married man. 50% of the people said that Bill Clinton's morals, and I'm not, I'm not in politics right now, I'm just talking the stuff that we saw right there. 50% of people surveyed said that Bill Clinton's morals aren't any different than the majority of men, the average married man. That's not good. And we need to address this situation. Why is impurity on the rise today in marriage more than ever before? I'll give you some reasons, some things to keep in mind, but of course none of this justifies it, but some things to keep in mind. Number one, I would say there are more temptations today than there were in the past. Not excusing it, but I'm just trying to understand. And today, Sin is more user-friendly than it's ever been, especially adultery, and especially sexual immorality. It used to be a lot more difficult. You used to have to sneak around and stuff like that. Now you do is need an internet connection. There are entire websites dedicated to cheating on your spouse. Did you know that? Entire websites dedicated to finding someone to cheat on with. They say that of all the internet search engine requests, 25% of them are related to pornography. One out of four things that go on Google, one out of four is somehow related to pornography or something like that. And I'll tell you the greatest silent killer, I won't say the greatest, as much as the most sneaky, and now every single person in this room needs to pay attention to this, Facebook. Because I'm here to tell you I know many adulterous relationships that began on Facebook. Married to married. There's Facebook, I'm not against Facebook and saying it's bad, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you've got to realize that there's dangers there to those friendships, those comments, the, the what's it called, the poking or, or, or whatever it's called, okay? There's dangers to all that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, you have no idea the number of affairs that began on Facebook. Trust me on this one. Two, people are getting married later than ever, than they used to. Now, I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to get married at a later stage, but it's just, it's, it's dynamic that needs to be considered. Because by the mere fact that there are more people who are staying single longer, what does that mean? That means people are dating longer, and that means that dating comes with breaking up. So the dynamic is this. You get a lot more used to loving someone, loving someone, loving someone, and then leaving them and loving someone else. And loving this person, loving and loving and loving, and then leaving them and loving somebody else. And I love you, and you're the only one, really you're the 17th, but you're only the only one today, and we get used to it, and it doesn't become as difficult to become really attached to a person and then kind of throw it away and move on to the next thing. 
Third, I would say that today there is a growing sense of entitlement that is bad. That is bad. Is the mic off? Can you hear me? That is bad. Growing sense of entitlement. Would you agree? What that means is, is that we, if we want it, we should get it. And the idea is that if I'm not getting this from my spouse, well then, my needs are my needs. And if she's not going to provide, I get it from somewhere else. And you remember last week when Mary Ann talked about the belly to belly stuff? Remember how I told you guys about how she said to the wives, it's y'all's duty and y'all need to make sure because if, you, they, if you're not providing that, they have no other source they can get it. And I said to the wives, I agree. To the husbands, I disagree. Because whenever you talk about needs, y'all know there's a famous book called His Needs, Her Needs. All right, which talks about a man's needs and a woman's needs. And it's a very, very good book, and it talks very, 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 very good, but it's very dangerous. When I give it to couples, you know what I tell them? It talks about a man needs this, and a woman needs this. I tell the man, do not read the man's section, read the woman's section. And for the women, do not read the women's section, read the man's section. Because my needs, it's not about me saying, yeah, you know what, oh, that, that book is right. She ain't giving me my needs. It's not like that. It's not supposed to be about me demanding my needs. It's supposed to be about me understanding her needs and seeking to give it to her. But there's no excuse for, well, she's not meeting my needs, therefore I pull the plug and I get my needs met somewhere else. That's the attitude that we have right now. And then because we're spiritual people, how do we add God into it? Well, God wants us to be happy, right? It says so somewhere in the Bible, probably. God wants me to be happy, and I'm just not happy. So God will understand, and in fact, God wouldn't understand. God would want me to do it. Because God would want me to be happy. And we add cute little spiritual nuggets around a pile of trash. Where we decorate it with little crosses all around. The biblical standard is adulterers and fornicators God will judge. We are going to commit to staying pure. And I want to talk about purity right now. But I want to talk about two kinds of purity. There's two kinds of purity. There's an inside purity and an outside purity. And we need both of them. Let's start with the outside because the outside is easier and then we'll move our way in. Outside purity equals your behavior. And we need to make a commitment to staying pure in terms of our behavior. There's a famous verse in Ephesians 5.3, which everyone here knows Ephesians 5.3, right? We had an entire series on Ephesians 5.3. But just for the sake of the people who aren't here and didn't memorize the verse like you memorized the verse, we'll put it up here on the screen. Read it with me. But among you, there must not be even a hint. I want everybody to read it with me. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint. We had an entire series on why a hint, even a hint, even a dabble, even a little bit, no good, of impurity and any kind of sexual immorality. You know what I want? I want you to change your viewpoint on sexual immorality and impurity. Think about the difference between a hair and a drop of poison. You go to a restaurant today after your church. You order a soup. That soup comes with a hair. You had a couple sips. You realize the hair... Yucky, you remove it, okay, you send it back, you, you dump it, whatever you do, okay, you do whatever you do, but most likely, it's not the end of your life. No one is probably calling 911, okay, or having their uh, 
stomach pumped, okay, or the Heimlicker to themselves, something like that. It's disgusting, and you don't want it, but it's not the end of the world. That's how we look at sexual immorality. Eh, you know what I mean? I know it's bad. You know, no, 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 no. That's not the Bible. The Bible says even a hint. I don't want you to think about it as a hair in your soup. I want you to think about a drop of poison in your soup. And that bowl of soup with one drop of impurity. Man, that sucker's poison. That's cyanide. That stuff that you don't even want sip, you go to the emergency room. You stay as far away from that thing as possible because that's going to kill you. Impurity in marriage will kill you. It will kill your marriage. It will. Yeah, yeah, we just a little bit on the side. Nobody's going to know. No, that'll kill you. No, 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 we're just co-workers and we're just hanging out. We're, no, that'll kill you. No, no, what I do on my computer, she don't know. No, that'll kill you. That's poison, man. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8 speaks about the adulterous woman. And it talks about a woman who's a married woman who is trying to seduce this young man into adultery. And the Bible says to that young man, young man, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Man, stay far away. She's dangerous. All right? And we need to have that same attitude towards adultery and sexually immoral behavior. I gave you the image of the the, the poison in the soup. I'll give you another image. Okay, that one doesn't sink home for you. I'll give you another one. Imagine now your soup, it ain't a hair, it ain't poison, forgive me, it's cat poop. Diarrhea cat poop. You ordered the soup, special of the day, the chef makes it, passes it by the cat, cat squats down, goes diarrhea in your soup, and then presents it in front of you on the table. The same attitude that you have towards that lovely bowl of soup, I want you to have the same attitude towards anything which attacks the purity in your marriage. Anything that attacks you, you're not gonna mess around with cat diarrhea in your soup. You're gonna stay far away from it. You're gonna say, get that thing away from me. I'd rather starve to death than have that. We need to have that same attitude in our marriage. I'd rather starve to death than be putting myself in a situation where I could become emotionally attached or physically attached. Because that stuff will kill you. Fantasizing. Cat poop. <laughs> Flirtatious behavior. Cat poop. Dressing provocatively. Just friendly stuff. Cat poop. Cat diarrhea poop. Poopy diarrhea cat diarrhea poop cat diarrhea poop. <laughs> Did you get the message? <laughs> There's no shades of gray on this one. There's no well, it's just a little poop. There's no well, you know, the diarrhea wasn't so bad. One drop, end of the world. We didn't have that same attitude in our marriages. First Corinthians 6, 18 and 20. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The one who commits sexual immorality is punching himself in the gut. That here I am, I want to build my house and my wife and my kids, and I'm punching myself in the gut. Um, you know, when, when we were younger and the big guy would take the hand, and you, why are you hitting yourself in the head? Remember that? That's exactly what we're doing. Because we're building a family, and then we're chopping out the legs underneath them. When we engage in behavior that is adulterous, that is fornication, 
We are destroying our ability to have the very thing that we desire more than anything else in the world. That's why something I say, I said this before, and the ladies will not get offended at me. Okay, because ladies, I want you to stand up here and say the same thing about me. Don't take it, this is no one personal, not in any way. You ladies, every single lady that's right here, you're my number one enemy. Sorry, I love you, you're the best. But you are an enemy to everything that is valuable to me in life. I'm not saying I hate your guts. What I'm saying is, I'm careful. And I gotta make sure that I'm careful because you have the power in your hand to destroy everything that's valuable to me. My relationship with God, my salvation, my marriage, my wife, my kids. Every woman that you see on the street, guys, has the power to destroy everything. And ladies, the same for you, for me. Like, I'm not just saying the ladies. That's the attitude that we need to start to take. Not in a bad way. I'm not saying it in a bad way. But in a, we're not naive way. We're not just going to coast around through life through a minefield and hope I don't get hit. Bible says sexual immorality equals flee. You don't mess with it. And single people, why this is so important for you? Because you are laying the foundation right now in your singleness of how you will be as a married man or woman. And don't think that it's a switch, that I live a very immoral life, I get married, and whoop-de-doo, all of a sudden, I can put away all the desires and impulses. Man, if you ain't doing it when you're single, you ain't going to be doing it when you're married. And if you're that way then, you cannot build a, found, a, a life of blessing on a foundation of sin. You cannot. So if you have sexual immorality in your singleness, that is the foundation for your married life, and you cannot build blessing on top of sin. It doesn't work. It crumbles every single time. The Bible says to flee from sexual immorality. Later on, when, when our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about sexual immorality, he says is the, in Matthew 5, which we'll see that verse later, but I want to mention it now. He talks about how even if you look lustfully after another woman, it's sin. That's committing adultery. And then after that, the very next verse, two verses, he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, you do what? Pluck it out. Cast it. Better for you to go there, one eye, than there with two eyes. If your right hand causes you to sin, do what? Cut it off. Get rid of it. It's done. Because it's better for you to go there, one hand, than it is to go there with two hands. Is Jesus being literal about cutting off our eyes and our hands? I hope not. Because <laughs> we'd look like a funny little church if we were all like one-handed cyclopses, okay? And that's not what I'm advocating by any means. The point, though, is the extreme degree that he deals with sexual immorality and anything which leads to impurity. We deal with it in an extreme way. I pluck it. Hand, get rid of it. No, let's discuss. No, no, just get rid of it. No, 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 there's no room to play around with. No, no, just get rid of it. Flee sexual immorality. Flee youthful lust in 2 Timothy another verse. What I'm hoping is that we begin to have that attitude towards the sexual sins, that we deal with them swiftly, quickly, get rid of them. We don't mess around with them. What does that mean practically? Well, practically, remember, we're talking about the outward. We didn't get to the inward yet. The outward is the behavior. Some of our behavior is going to need to change. That may mean some of our Facebook habits need to change. Single and married. We need to be careful on Facebook. Some of those habits need to change. Maybe the way we are friendly with some of our coworkers and we share a lot with our coworkers. We need to be careful. Maybe some of the um, habits that we have when we're by ourselves and our needs aren't being met and we have certain habits and we kind of 
you know, dabble with the line a little bit, kind of peek over the wall, flee sexual immorality. You may say, not a big deal for me. I say, are you willing to risk everything that you got on that? It's not a big deal. One of the things that's very important for me to help me to keep my purity is I believe in accountability partners. I spoke about this at length. I believe in accountability partners. I believe that's very strong, it's very needed. I myself have had an accountability partner for probably about two years now. Recently, I have another accountability partner that I added on there, someone who I felt could give me a little more accountability on a specific area that I needed help with. Best thing in the whole wide world. I got two guys that I know can kick my butt on whatever issue and call me out. And if you want to know why I need two accountability partners to kick my butt, because obviously one guy couldn't kick my butt alone. Okay? <laughs> Clearly, you know what I mean? I believe very strongly in it, that you need an accountability partner, and it's not your spouse. Okay? I believe that you should be very open with your spouse and share with your spouse, but my spouse is the nicest person in the whole wide world. Okay? She's the ideal accountability partner, by the way, if you want an easy way out. She's your way to go, because she's the nicest person in the whole wide world. I think somebody's going to kick me in the pants. And someone's going to smack me upside the head and hold me accountable and say, these are the commitments and we shouldn't be messing around with anything that's even close to the line. You say, well, I'm not vulnerable. And I say, are you willing to bet everything you got on that? Tell me. Tell me who's not vulnerable. I always say the three guys. Okay? And again, I use the men as an example, but y'all can use the ladies. The strongest man ever was who? Samson. Samson. What was his downfall? Sexual immorality. The smartest man ever. Solomon. Solomon. Downfall? Sexual immorality. Most spiritual man ever. David. King David. Downfall? Sexual immorality. So you tell me you're smarter than the smartest, stronger than the strongest, and more spiritual than more spiritual? Good luck to you, buddy. Good luck to you. Maybe we'll be seeing you in that video with Mr. Clinton at the front as well. Our purity will change our behavior. Every one of us will examine our behavior. We will see what behavior needs to go. We will commit to staying pure. We're not going to stop with the outward, though. Because true purity is not outward, it's inward. And it must come from within to the outside. Inward purity is the heart. Look, truth of the matter is, you can cut yourself off from the internet, from Facebook. You can stop whatever kind of behavior. You can lock yourself in a closet for the rest of your life you still have to deal with impurity. Why? Because it's from within, not from without. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Make all the commitments that you want of I'm never going to have any problem with impurity. I'm never going to do this. You're going to have a problem because you got it. Impurity, lust, I will say is like pride. Can I ever say, well, I don't struggle with pride anymore? It's not to say I don't struggle with pride. If you are a, a monk in the monastery, you struggle with, with lust the same way I do. Maybe a manifestation is different. Maybe it, it takes different forms. But every one of us, because it's from within. It's a sinful nature that's inside of us. Romans 7, verse 18 and 19. St. Paul, a very spiritual guy himself. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. 
And Paul is saying, look, I attended the talk by Father Anthony. I took the notes. I cut rid of my, got rid of my Facebook. I stopped talking to my coworkers. I did all this kind of stuff. But I still got a problem. And the problem is inside me. And nothing good dwells. So what we need, how can you live pure when you got circumstances around you that's working against you and you got circumstances within you that's working against you? How? How can a young person keep their way pure? Well, the good news is, Bible asked that very same question. Let's see what King David says, because he was a smart guy. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Same question me and you are asking. I got you. By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, I don't want to get, like I told you before, I don't want to get into the details. I want to get the spirit of what this is saying. What's the spirit that King David is saying right now? How can a young man keep his way pure? I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek the word of God. I'm going to seek the commandments of God. And where am I going to put them when I find them? I'm going to hide them deep in here. Deep, 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 deep. I don't want to just come to church, read some verses, and go back. I don't want to just open my Bible in the morning and just check off a little box, I did my Bible read. I don't want to just stand up and say, yeah, please God, uh, deliver us from all evil. I want to seek God. Because what God does, when I take God, and I put him inside here, he changes stuff. Doesn't he? He changes stuff. You can't change stuff inside. You can change outside. And that's good. You should change outside. But I want to get to the point, like, I want to get to the point where it's not that I am desiring this and forcing myself to not. I want God to change my desires. Can God do that? Oh, you bet he can. You bet he can. We are cleansed because of the word he speaks to us. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Absolutely, he changes, he cleanses, he gives new hearts, creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit. Yes, he does do that. I'm going to pray to put God inside. God, do a work. I'm going to seek God in his word and hide it inside that God would change my heart, that I would no longer, now I see a bowl of soup that smells nice, but God would show me cat poop inside there. God would reveal to me that, so I'm like, yuck. And people are like, no, this is great. What, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want it. Not that I want it, but I'm forcing myself not to. No, no, that stuff repulses me. And you today, if God has worked in your life today, there are things in your past that you look at and be like, how could I ever have wanted that? How could I ever have thought that was appealing? Well, because God changed your heart. And I'm praying God changes my heart and my desires and transform them to be like his. Here's the verse I was telling you about, Matthew 5, 28. I want to get to the point that I'd be able to understand this verse. If I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I want to get to the point that I see adultery. Okay, so all of us have this line of adultery. I said, who wants to commit adultery? Everyone said, no, thank you. Who believes in adultery? No one believes in it. But so many of us do. Because we have this line of what adultery is. Adultery equals this. So we kind of hang it back over here, and we kind of, you know, kind of dabble over here, and kind of mess around over here, and we're going to stop when we get there, and then we get to this point, we struggle, we fight, and sometimes we fall over the edge because the momentum is against us. Maybe we live our whole lives right here. No blessing from God, but we didn't go over the edge. You know what this verse says? You know when God changed our inside? The line moves. And I don't want God to draw the line here. And then after a few more years, I want God to draw the line here. 
And I don't want to walk around saying, I used to think this was okay and that was wrong. I realize I don't really want to do this stuff. I, I, you know, actually, you know what? I don't really want to do this. God changes the line when he changes our heart. And that's what we are praying for. That God would draw a line in accordance with his line. Not my standard, but his standard of what purity is. When you fall, because you will fall, we will fall. There's three kinds of responses that people have when they fall that reveals a lot about their heart. Forget about they. There's three kinds of responses that you and me will have when we fall into sin, which reveals a lot about our hearts. First, defensive. And the defensive heart, well, hey, Boys will be boys. That's just the way God made me. That God just gave me uh, extra strong drive. You know how many guys have told me in confession, well, that's just God gave me an extra strong drive. That ain't true. That's you making excuses. Ladies, well, you know, we're just friends. Uh, it's none of his business. Uh, well, if he wasn't such a whatever, fill in the blank, if he wasn't such a whatever, then I would... Listen to me very carefully. If you are defensive, you are making excuses, you have a rebellious spirit towards God, and you need to repent. Because God's word is very, very clear that even a hint of sexual immorality is sin. And if you don't see it, you're not willing to admit it, you have a rebellious spirit, and God is going to get your attention one way or the other. It is always better for me to go to God and say, God, I realize it, as opposed to dance around it, and then the teacher to walk in with my hand in the cookie jar. Any person that is in denial or defensive is usually nose deep inside, but they just hiding themselves. If you're defensive, take care. Second, people have remorse. Remorse is better than defensive, but remorse is going to push us like sometimes, I always say, you're going to fall off a cliff on this side, you overcompensate and fall off a cliff on this side. And remorse is the opposite. And I'm the worst, and I'm so bad, and God can never love me, and God can never bless me, and I'm so bad, how can I be so foolish? And, and That's seemingly like a good thing, but it's not where God wants us to be. God wants us to be repentant. And repentance is right in the middle. Repentance says, I acknowledge my sin. I know what I have done. I go to God and my spouse if I'm married. I acknowledge my sin. I ask for forgiveness. And I trust in his grace and his mercy. If you're married, like I said, you need to repent towards your father and your spouse. A real repentance. If you're single... You need to repent towards the way that you are living your life and you do need to repent towards your future spouse because the mistakes that you are walking in now, I'm not saying that God can't bless you. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is you are bringing baggage into your marriage that one day your spouse will feel the effects of and you need to repent for that because the stuff that you're doing now, believe me, is having an effect on what you're going to be in the future. You know what I do? You know what I tell kids? They need to begin getting ready for marriage. I say this is not right here. I tell junior high kids, 
down to get start ready for marriage. And the girls are like, great, we can, yeah. And the boys are like, yeah, great, let's do it. I don't mean it like that. I mean, you have to realize the decisions that you're making in junior high are going to affect your marriage. They can't believe that. I said, really? I said, yeah. The decisions that you make today are going to affect your marriage. You're building, you're laying the foundation. Back to the marriage for a second. If your spouse does come to you and repent today, this week, whatever, that's going to be our homework assignment. We're going to have an honest conversation with our spouses. You need to realize, A, the great courage that it took for them to do it, and humility, and you need to respond as God would respond. You need to respond to them with grace, with forgiveness. I'm not saying letting stuff go. I'm not making excuses. I'm not justifying. But your response to their confession is going to determine whether or not you're going to get another confession in the future or not. And it's going to determine whether you have a defensive spouse for the rest of your life or whether you have one that you can have real intimacy with. As I wrap up here today, one of the things that you might notice is that uh, Marianne didn't join us on a video here today. You know, after last week, I just couldn't trust her. You know what I mean? Like she just kind of went all, no, I'm not joking. But um, actually, I didn't bring her up here because for her own sake, she doesn't trust me very much with the recording of the cameras anymore. I voted there last week. But if, if she was up here and I asked her to talk about purity in marriage, say one thing, I know exactly what she'd say. She would say that purity matters. Purity matters. And what I mean by that is to both the single and the married, your purity will have a greater effect on your life your married life, your family life, your spiritual life, than you ever realize. It will affect it in so many ways. Start with the married, then go down to the single people. I'm married. I have a house, I got a wife, I got kids. When I let the devil, okay, when I let the devil have a little peace in my heart, and I have a little defilement in my heart, and I have sexual immorality in my heart, that little peace, Say, well, that's not going to affect the kids. That's not going to affect the wife. No, it'll affect them. It'll actually destroy them. Because what it is, this is spiritual warfare, not physical warfare. And in spirit, in a physical warfare, if I enter your house and I'm hanging out in the closet, you're in trouble. And your kids are in trouble. You're in a bad situation. Well, if the devil can enter my home spiritually through my heart, and he's just hanging out there, and he's inside, and the kids are sleeping safely, and the wife is sleeping safely, they don't realize there's an enemy in the house. How'd that guy get in here? You let him in. You let him in. I don't put my kids at risk. I believe very, very, very strongly in that. That the sins of the father get communicated to the son. I'm not saying that you have that it's the dad's fault. I'm not saying it like that. But I believe in a little principle we learned back when we were in kindergarten. Monkey see, monkey do. And I believe that why was King Solomon? What was King Solomon's downfall? Women. Where did he learn that from? Monkey see, monkey do. Single people, like I said, you're trying to build a foundation now. You're building a foundation for the rest of your life. You have, I don't know how many years left of singleness, okay? Maybe few, okay? I mean, again, the snapping people over here are hoping it's less than, than whatever. Whatever time is left in the single life that you have. 
That is the foundation for your marriage. And how you invest in the foundation is going to affect every floor. If you want to build a big house, don't think that the foundation is not going to have an impact. The problem with the foundation is the foundation of this building we are standing in right now is underground and you can't see it. So you think it doesn't have an impact. Well, believe me, it's more important than anything else that you see. Anyone who knows anything about construction knows these walls are nothing without the foundation. And the same thing for you. You're laying a foundation. If you're engaged, you're laying a foundation. If you're single, you're laying a foundation. You want cat diarrhea poop in your foundation? Here's my challenge for everyone today. One question that you will ask yourself from now till whenever, till you die basically, with regards to sexual immorality. You'll ask yourself, is it worth it? Forward, is it worth it? Before you go to that computer and click, is it worth it? Before you put on that shirt, dress, combo thing, is it worth it? Before you, <laughs> is it worth it? That was like my serious point. So question you're going to ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And if you ask yourself that question sincerely, my relationship with God, my relationship with my spouse, present or future, my relationship with my kids and my grandkids, is it worth it? No. A thousand times, no. No, 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 no. It is never, ever worth it. And all you need to do is make that connection between what I'm doing today and the effects that it's going to have and ask yourself, is it worth it? My hope and my prayer is that we can see a generation, like I said, like I said from the start, we want to see a generation of changed marriages. That's why we're doing this. The current marriages. We want to see current marriages living with God's standard, okay, for purity. And God's standard, knowing that even one step across this line is going to defile my kids, my wife, my career potentially. Like we saw the guy, my, my salvation, like it can mess everything up. We want to change our marriages. We want to be more, I want to say, more protective of what God has given to us. And single people, we want to be smarter. We want to be smarter. And we don't want to be foolish people who are dumping money in here, and, and I'm sorry, not money, dumping the, the poison in here, and then wondering why the top isn't healthy. We want to change the generation, and future generations. And who knows, if I change my generation, and you change your generation, and maybe that affects my kids' generation, and they pass it on to their kids, May we change the world. I always think to myself of family tree moments. There are certain moments in time that change family trees. I believe this is one of them. On this issue of purity. I believe you can change family trees. And I believe that a family tree that's moving in this direction can stop on a dime and move this one if we take the sexual purity thing seriously in accordance with the way God taught us to take it. The world is heading that way. And your family tree is headed that way. I'm going to be the one I want you to be the one to change your family tree forever. Homework assignment this week, married people, you're gonna have an honest conversation with each other. It's not gonna be easy for some couples, but you're gonna try. And you, as the recipient, you're going to greet your spouse as they share their struggles. You're gonna greet them with gentleness. You're gonna greet them with grace. 
and forgiveness and understanding, knowing it is not easy. And then you'll reciprocate the same thing. But usually, there's one of the two that's more difficult for you. Single people, if you don't have an accountability partner, you need to get an accountability partner. Somebody that you can share the struggle with, that can do, if nothing else, can pray for you. And that can help hold you accountable. If you have an accountability partner and it's been wild, maybe it's time to give that person a call instead of time to go have lunch this week. All right? Your future might be at stake. Let's stand up and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God, amen. Lord, we thank you from the depth of our heart. We thank you for this message that you gave us, Lord. Thank you for the great plan that you have for us and for laying out like the foundation of how to live it. Lord, none of us is pure. Even though our lives on earth be a single day, Lord, none is pure from blemish. All of us have sinned and fall short of your standard and your glory. Lord, give us true hearts of repentance. True hearts of repentance. Not just saying that we're sorry, but really making changes in our behavior, in our patterns, in everything that we do in our habits, Lord. Change us from within, Lord. Change our desires. Change us that we really love the things that are pure and that we are repulsed by the things that are not pure. Lord, change this generation and future generations. Lift up the standard of marriage once again, Lord, to be something glorious, to be like an icon of me and you and our relationship and your relationship with us, Lord. Lord, we're praying from the depth of our heart that you would do a great work in the marriages that are represented here, both current and future. And we trust, Lord, that you will work you always work, and you always show yourself mighty, Lord, and those whose heart is loyal to you. Bless us, Lord, and bless every single person that's here, and give them the courage and strength to do what they know they need to do. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys very much. Have a great week, and I'll see you all next week.